right, everybody, this is Sugi with Squad Tactica, and we are here at Adepticon at the Renaissance Hotel here, and it is already really, really cool. I am so excited, if you can't tell in my voice. Uh, the hotel is like nothing I've ever seen. There's tables everywhere. People are already playing games I've seen. Uh, Guild Ball, 40K, uh, Privateer Press games, so that would be like War Machine Hordes. Uh, some people are setting up for Monster Apocalypse. Uh, the convention hasn't even started yet, and the exhibitors aren't even finished setting themselves up, and people are just already coming in droves, and it's amazing. They uh, already bought some stuff from uh, the Bitsbox table that you probably saw pictures on Facebook. If you didn't, go check that out. But yeah, I'm really excited. Um, registration is starting in a couple hours. After that, there's the Games Workshop preview event. And then I'm going to be talking with Adam Smasher from Tabletop Minions, the uh, Warhammer YouTube channel. So that's going to be exciting. That is our first guest of the weekend. So surprise, surprise. And we're just going to sit down and shoot the breeze about minis. So yeah, it is... It's popping. I'm I am so excited. So we're going to be recording all weekend from my phone, editing from the phone, and up, uh, uploading these podcasts uh, each and every day. I don't know what the links will be necessarily, um, but we're going to be bringing content from Adepticon all week long. And boy, it is just super cool. Um, as always, a big shout out to all of our Patreons. I mean. Without your help, I would have never been able to get here, so thank you for your support, and just, oh, so much, so much love. Everyone here that I've met has just been really nice, and this is going to be a lot of fun hanging out here for, you know, the rest of the week, playing minis, talking to people, doing Star Wars Destiny, Kill Team, Song of Ice and Fire, uh, just getting my hands on demos and all kinds of stuff, so... Yeah, there, <laughs> there is just a lot going on. Now, I do definitely want to talk about my preparation for Adepticon uh, before we get super deep into the week. I haven't finished painting my army yet, so I'm going to have to do that uh, later today and tomorrow before the Friday event. Um, but, yeah, going through the Adepticon kill team rules was pretty important. There's a lot of things going on in there. You have your command roster. You've got your secondary objectives. There's a bunch of object like missions very specific to kill team, and each of them has a specific way to earn victory points on top of secondary objectives that are available for each and individual um, mission that you play. So you have to kind of micromanage how you set your models up, how you're going to get your victory points, and realistically, you know, you're going to need those secondary objectives to win games, and that's really important because you pick yours, your opponent picks theirs, and they're secret. So you want to try and capitalize on secret objectives that are beneficial to your army, your play style, and the setup on the table. Now, even though I think there's like 10 or 15 uh, secondary objectives, not all of them are available for each mission. So what that means is if you play, you know, mission A, you might have secret objectives uh, 1, 3, 5, 7, and 11. 
So you might want, you know, after you've read the rules and you've read the secondary objectives, you might think, okay, my best options are, you know, secret objectives one, two, three, four, and five. And if some of those don't pop up, you have to micromanage, okay, which are available that are good for me, which are the most likely I can achieve, how can I utilize these? It's a really neat concept so that people just aren't always 100% of the time picking the same secret objectives that their kill team, that their faction is specifically strong at, and it keeps you on your toes, it forces you to stay on top of the situation, you have to be able to assess you know, your list versus your opponent's list, because you show lists uh, to each other before the game, then you have to assess what the setup hey. is, and how you're going to be able to uh, you know, just do all kinds of stuff, so I'm really excited to play on Friday, uh, as I've said before, I'm definitely coming for fun, not super competitive, so we'll see how we go, I'm not, you know, if I get one win, I'll be happy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm not going to try and go super hardcore. I just want to meet people, play some games, and enjoy this convention because uh, war games, as you know, are you know a love of my life, and being here is going to be so much fun. Playing Kill Team is going to be fun, but just being able to talk, walk around, interact with people is going to be fantastic. So uh, that's kind of the game plan for Kill Team right now. I do have the advantage of being able to watch Thursday and the Friday morning event, should I choose to, just kind of see, you know, what people are playing, uh, what's going on. Uh, my kill team right now is basically every Death Guard model I have. So there was something I definitely wanted to do earlier when the show started, and for those of you who've been following, that was seeing how a player could use a budget army to participate in kill team. A lot of Warhammer, a lot of games, especially if you think about magic or anything that has a constructed variable, you know, even miniature games, you know, you have to invest money, you have to buy specific boxes, you have to buy X, Y, and Z to have a competitive list, and although that's great and everything, I've always believed that games should have a budget option for players to enjoy and participate in. So, you know, I bought one box of Plague Marines, and over the course of the time, two boxes of the $15 uh, pre-built Poxwalkers. So I've got 12 Poxwalkers and 7 Death Guard. So my loadout and my you know attempt for this weekend is to prove that you don't need to buy multiple sets of boxes to be competitive and you can win games if you just buy one or two boxes and it's still under $100. Uh, the Plague Marines, I think... I know the Poxwalkers are 15 bucks, so that's 30 bucks for two. I think the Plague Marines MSRP are like 60 bucks. So I have a kill team that is le at, at MSRP is less than $100. I didn't pay MSRP because um, our lovely sponsor, uh, Discount Games Inc., you know, has that 15% off. Shameless plug, and definitely a big shout out not only to our Patreons, but to our sponsors, uh, Battle Foam and Discount Games Inc. You know, like I said, you can't do the show, can't get to these events without such amazing and fantastic support from the community and these companies. Uh, but I digress. So, like, I'm trying to prove to anyone who listens that the, the stigma that you have to be, you know, spending a lot of money and you have to buy a lot of boxes and you have to have competitive lists and you have to follow a specific meta is not necessary to win games. Now, I will definitely agree it is probably not going to be the most meta-defined 
defining list ever, but you know, I'm gonna talk about the list right now and you know some of the reasons why I built what I built and what I brought what I brought. So I've got 12 poxwalkers in the list just stock. That'll give me the opportunity to micromanage if I'm playing against a list, for example, like if I play against someone who has like Grey Knights and they might only be bringing a few models, I can like scale back a little bit on some of my Plague Marines and throw a lot more poxwalkers into the table because a lot, every single mission is objective-based and most of these have four uh, up to six objectives and you gain points by having, uh, you gain a victory point if you have one objective, you gain a victory point if you have two objectives, and you gain a victory point if you have more objectives than your opponent. So if my opponent only brings, say, you know, five, six models, if I can overwhelm the board with Poxwalkers, now of course, yes, they do die very quickly, but they do have that, um, uh, that five up, feel no pain save, the uh, disgustingly resilient. So the idea is even though they're probably just gonna get poofed on, um, if I can overwhelm the board and soak up victory points over the course of the game, it's how you win. So obviously one of the objectives is almost always going to be in your deployment zone, and one to two of those objectives is going to be fairly close to your deployment zone. So you know, early game, if I can throw out enough poxwalkers to hold down uh, two, three, even four objectives at the start of the game, that means my opponent is only holding uh, two or three. And if I can contest by running down the field, that means I'm holding three, they're holding two, and we're contesting one, so I'm still technically holding more. So that's kind of the idea of having 12 poxwalkers. Uh, if my opponent has a lot more models, say they're running the Tyranid spam, I can definitely scale back my poxwalkers and bring in a little bit more uh, juicy models. So I've got my leader is running a plasma gun. I have two fighters. One has the flail of corruption, as we've talked about many times, the most nutty weapon that just crushes and hurts people. And then I've also got the great uh, axe cleaver, the great play cleaver on Pestilax, uh, our first to name character from way, 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 way back in the day. Um, next, I've got uh, two gunners. One has a uh, plague spewer, the flamethrower, and one has the blight launcher, the assault two 24-inch gun. So that's going to allow me to deal with horde armies or plasma spam or IG spam if I need to. That's going to be a demolitions specialist. So if the model is obscured, I get plus one on my wound rolls, and the gun automatically hits. So that's perfect. So I'm probably going to be shooting through my own poxwalker so that they are technically obscured and that way I get um, on average a four or a three up to wound people if you know they're tough or not they can even go up to a two up if they're like toughest three um, we're also running uh, heavy on the uh, blight launcher so that way I can run and shoot without a negative penalty if I want to um, and then combat specialist is on the flail of corruption, so I get plus one attack, so it's just going to crush people. And then, let's see, that's uh, five. And then I have two stock plague marines, so bolt guns and plague knife. So that gives me the option to uh, flexibly run, you know, two melee guys if I need to. I always have my leader with a plasma, so I can easily shoot through something big and nasty, like, you know, if they bring a broodlord, or, or um, that's a commander, um, we're talking about a warrior, or if we see something nasty like, um, you know, Necrons. Uh, just, you know, being wise, trying to kill models and take them off the table. But, you know, being careful, like we said with LVO, you don't want to roll too many damage dice because you don't want to roll sixes and reanimation protocol triggers and you didn't do anything to a Necron. 
So, you know, Cave Sarasra, there's a lot of strategy, but the thing is, like, the, the spread of the weaponry available is really nice. I can do two damage with my plasma weapons if I need to. I can run in with melee and just throw a bunch of attacks. One of them should absolutely go through which will allow me to roll damage and hopefully get a kill, if at least not a flesh wound. Um, you're looking at being able to use flamethrower against horde spam, which I'm anticipating. Uh, you know, if we see the uh, Eldar, the Asuriani, I can definitely go in and start getting punchy with my generic space or my generic death guard, just because of that T5 and the disgustingly resilient. So, you know, there's a lot of different options, but I'm bringing 19 models. So you've got 12 box walkers, seven Plague Marines. Uh, like I said, it's one Plague Marine box, two uh, easy-to-build boxes, nothing incredibly special on, in terms of finances, but I think that it has a really good spread in terms of flexibility, so that way I have an answer to something that pops up. Now, like I said, I'm not going super competitive, but I do, you know, I did my homework. I do know what the most popular lists have been, especially talking to people from LVO. Uh, we've even got another guest who's going to be coming on from LVO, and we're going to be talking about you know LVO. We're going to be talking about Adepticon clearly, and getting prepped for Nova because that's coming up. There's a lot of stuff that goes into designing and developing your competitive list because you know LVO is one thing, uh, Adepticon is going to be another thing, Nova is going to be a thing into itself. Uh, we don't exactly know how Elites is going to fare with the Adeptus Custodus coming into the mix because we don't know if those are going to be canon in the core scenario or if they're going to be elites only and we don't know what other expansions are coming out and with arena on the table we might see that kind of you know be built into future events so there's just a lot of things to anticipate going into the course of the year and prepping out for nova so with all that being said uh it's just really exciting to see what is going to happen like i said we haven't even started the convention yet and there's already just a bunch of people just hanging out and playing games and uh, that's really what these conventions are all about so uh, i'm going to sign off here for this first part and we'll definitely have more interviews more commentary more stuff coming out of adepticon but yeah that is kind of the start of the convention that is where my head is at right now in getting prepped and like i said i've i've still got to paint uh my plague marines i've just kind of finished getting the poxwalkers to look nice and evil and dirty and degenerate which is perfect um and we'll go over some of those paint schemes later when i get back from the event because uh, they look disgusting and that's like a good disgusting they look really gross and like they're falling apart and they're kind of you know nuclear and um i actually stole some uh paint tech from the Night Wraiths from Age of Sigmar hey. to get that look on those models. So it's really exciting how, you know, there's no wrong way. We've said this before, there's no wrong way to do this hobby. Uh, it's all about, you know, your expression, your creativity, and what you want to look like. If you want to paint boxwalkers, I mean, do it. Like, there's nothing wrong with having your models look like whatever color you want them to be. If anyone says differently, you tell them to shut up because they're your models, it's your business, it's your piece of art, and it's your heart in the matter. And I think that's really important 
for people to remember that uh, this is a hobby. There isn't a right way or a wrong way to do it. I mean, even when we talked, you know, with Adam from TFG about, you know, Star Wars Legion, like, it, it, may, it might look weird to have a pink Darth Vader with pink Stormtroopers, but you know what? Screw it. Like, there is nothing wrong with that. There is, it's not a sin, it's not a crime, it's not degenerate. It's your thing to do, and I definitely think that that's something that we as a community can definitely push amongst our friends and our loved ones and our player communities that, hey, you know, when someone shows up with an army and they, you know, painted it their colors and they paint it the way they love it, you know, give them a high five and tell them it looks great, you know? Uh, just supporting people, supporting the community and helping people who are passionate about this game is really what makes uh, wargaming and just gaming in general so, so fantastic. Anyways, uh, moving along, there's just there's more and more people walking in. Uh, I've seen other podcasters, other uh, media outlets. There's players, there's t-shirts, uh, terrain. It's going to be a nuts, nuts weekend. And I am uh, just super, super insanely hyper-duper excited and uh, glad I'm still getting over this sickness from two weeks ago. Uh, if you can hear my voice, it's still a little scratchy, but uh, we'll be okay. So anyways, uh, I'm going to wrap up this first segment, the pre-con recording, and uh, probably the next recording is going to be with Adam after the Games Workshop um, preview. We'll have pictures. Uh, hopefully, I know Duncan is here, so I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. I can't promise anything because I haven't talked to anyone. A lot of the doors are closed and you know they're getting things set up. So realistically, like I said, there's just hallways of people, but it's just insane. There's people playing on the floor. Like there, there's just people playing games everywhere. And that's what I think is the coolest thing about Adepticon. If you're listening and you haven't been to a convention, you're on the fence, you're like, man, I don't really know if I want to come. I've thought about it. You know, like do it. Absolutely do it. Come to a convention. You know, get ready for Nova if you can. Or come to Adepticon next year. Like, this, these conventions, you know, it might be scary, but there's always someone you get to meet. Uh, like I said, we've got a great community. We, I'd love to hang out with you if you come this year or next year. Uh, play games. Just, you know, paint, hang out. Uh, there was a bunch of tables set up in the lobby with power uh, lamps and um, water for people and there's just paint there's people painting like I don't know it doesn't look like it was like sponsored by anyone it didn't look like any in particular group was doing it it just looked like a general area where you could come sit down and paint uh, if you needed to uh, paint your armies there are people who are showcasing some armies and they're working on models in real time like that's just so much fun. It's all of the things you want from your local game shop and then maybe a couple thousand more people doing it all at the same time. So yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited about all the things that we're going to be doing over the course of this week. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to go get some dinner, uh, hang out with some friends, and get ready for that Games Workshop preview later this evening. So we will see you all later. Alright, I'm here with Adam from Tabletop Minions, and he has gracefully given his time to talk a little bit about not only his channel, but the uh, Games Workshop preview event. So how are you doing this evening, sir? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Um, this is always pretty much one of my favorite shows. So before we get into the Games Workshop preview, uh, for those who don't know about your channel, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do and what brought you into Warhammer specifically, because there's probably a million other things you could be talking about. 
Yeah, so um, my YouTube channel is called Tabletop Minions. I've been doing it for just over six years now. And uh, it's a channel that is predominantly designed to help get players into tabletop wargaming. Uh, it is. It can be daunting uh, in comparison to a lot of other hobbies, but it doesn't have to be. And so I make a lot of videos teaching you how to, like beginners, how to paint, teaching you how to like look differently at how to, you know, make yourself more motivated, um, things like that. It's a lot of the issues that cause people to either stop hobbying, stop playing, or you know, slow down or take a break for years. We all have that friend who hasn't touched a model in you know three years or whatever. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff uh, is the type of stuff I like to talk about to try to get people kind of going that way. Um, I do videos every Friday, uh, and I do a live show on YouTube called the Every Other Sunday Show, and that's every other Sunday, strangely enough. And then um, I'm now starting to do some videos, uh, recorded videos on Mondays that are opposite of the Every Other Sunday Show. Instagram and Twitter, which I barely use the Twitter, but I do post a lot of stuff mm -hmm. on Instagram, especially when I go to conventions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely recommend anyone who's listening to check that out, because I've been watching for quite a while, and I'm actually really excited to meet you here. But I definitely want to talk about the Games Workshop preview. That's mm -hmm. an event we just walked out of, so it's fresh in our minds. Um, what were some of the things that stood out for you? Because it was not very long, mm -hmm. and as a preview, there was not much hard information. It was just a lot of previewing what might potentially happen in the future. Yeah. Um, I guess I would say I, I wish that they would do fewer video reveals because it's harder to kind of see things. Like, they, they you know, they, they put these huge uh, tableaus together with all of this cool terrain and all this lighting and smoke effects and, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they show these videos real quick of different pieces and this and that and the other thing. And I kind of almost, I mean, it sounds boring, <laughs> but I kind of wish that they would almost just do what, like, most companies do for uh, those types of reveals where they put pictures up and then we have a couple of bullet points or something like that. And it's a little bit more... I don't want to say business-like, but it's it at least allows me to be able to see the models a little better than mm -hmm. these kind of quick videos. Um, but yeah, I mean, the you know they they, they talked about well the things they didn't talk about, I guess. Um, I was kind of surprised that they didn't really talk or show anything new for Sisters of Battle. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, they, they had other stuff to talk about, but then otherwise, um, you know, they talked about Apocalypse. Which I don't think anyone was startled that they were going to make Apocalypse again. You know what I mean? Like so, that was something. Um, they talked about Warcry, which is the thing that I'm most interested in right now of the stuff that they yeah. talked about. But they didn't. They showed some models and kind of there wasn't a lot more crunch to the information. Mm -hmm. Everything here was very kind of just like high level and like here's. Some, but you know, it was uh, that's what you do. It's kind of like a teaser event. I get that. I would love it, honestly, if some of them would be like, you know, like when you see like an Apple keynote mm -hmm. and they're like, and they kind of surprise you with maybe a date or a feature or something like that. And this would have been great if they would have been just anything they would have talked about if they would have said, oh, and it's going to, you know, be in your store on this yeah. date or something like that, yeah. you know, but that's kind of, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is way better than the old Games Workshop where you didn't, they didn't say a word about a product until the week before it was on pre-order. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I do kind of wish that there was a little bit more information. 
obviously that's partially the gamer in me that would also like to see that information. But um, also I think just from a person who talks about it and talks to other people about it, there's not a lot here that I can kind of really talk about. And But frankly, I don't have to because they've got the website. Mm -hmm. Like all the stuff that you and I just saw 20 minutes ago or whatever is yeah. already on the website. So everybody can pour over it, run the video back and forth and back and forth, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I feel as if a little bit it does kind of, I don't want to say cheapen these kind of press events, but it does... Like if you don't, if you if you weren't here to see it, it's fine because now you can see pretty much everything we saw. Yeah, you didn't miss out on anything. Yeah, there's like a there's like a, a question and answer Q and A thing at the end, but that's that's basically the only big benefit to some degree in these kinds of events versus mm -hmm. just looking at stuff online. Yeah. So something we were talking about because we're all still interested in Warcry since the show's all about skirmish games, which is Kill Team right now. Yeah. But if they introduce Warcry, that could you know be introduced into the show because skirmish games are a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And something we were talking about before we recorded was the um, discussion where they said someone was asking are the models multi-pose mm -hmm. and they said this, yes they are Yeah, but they also clarified that the rules for these models will be compatible with Age of Sigmar sure. and you brought up the fact that it doesn't sound like you're going to be able to bring models you previously own right. into the game. Uh, can you expand a little bit upon that discussion? Yeah I mean it's so like with, with Kill Team you use normal 40k standard line models, and um, and there has been almost nothing other than the terrain. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's been no models that I can think of off the top of my head that have been just been released for Kill Team. There have been plenty of boxes with this commander in it, or this squad, or this special stuff, and maybe you get special cards or dice or whatever, and that's great. But it's not been like any model saying, "Yep, this is just for Kill Team." Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, now with with and I I, I didn't expect. Warcry to be a direct analog to Kill Team, just only Age of Sigmar. Um, but it's interesting that it seems like they are just going to be releasing models. So, it, I was talking to somebody recently, it almost seems like Warcry is going to be a an Age of Sigmar mixture of Necromunda mm -hmm. and, 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 and Kill, Kill Team. Team. So it's got the, the three-dimensional terrain and the warboard and all that stuff, but the models are all going to be kits that they sell separately, kind of like they do with War Cry, or uh, sorry, with Necromunda. And, and so I get that. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that might change the impact for the player base because like the easiest thing for Kill Team is if you already own these models sure. you just buy the book and you're done yeah no I with agree with Warcry you might and this is all speculation but you might have to buy a rule book and then models and then all these other things that don't exist and you can't take what you previously have purchased and apply it at this point they might right. come up with a rule and say you know if you've already got these Chaos Warriors here's some rules for them yeah they may potentially do that I mean they did just did that for Kill Team with uh, the crew in White Dwarf recently. So I, th there's a potential down the road they might do that. I think what they're going to do to try to see how the, you know, they kind of throw it at the wall and see how it sticks mm -hmm. is that, like you said before, they're also going to then make 40, or I'm sorry, uh, Age of Sigmar rules for all of these, kind of like they do with Shadespire. Mm -hmm. When you buy a Shadespire band or, or Night, Night Vault or anything along those lines, you can go on the website and download the PDF to be able to put those into your Age of Sigmar army. So mm -hmm. I, I would be very, very, very surprised if... Well, like it's, like you said, it's difficult. It's difficult, but you know, it's it, it's, it's fun though. It is, but it, I, you know, it sounds like to like from what you're saying that you're right. They are going to be selling these separate kits. 
I would be almost surprised at this point, and I may be wrong, but I'm, I would be almost surprised if they're going to say, yeah, if you've already got models that you're using in Age of Sigmar, you can use those kind of like they did with Kill Team. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to flip it on its head and do it the other way, which is, again, another vector. I mean, like the whole business model for them for the last three years, um, the way that they turned the entire company on its head is they stopped. It, 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 three years ago, there were two ways to get into their games. You either got into Warhammer 40K and built mm -hmm. a 40K army, for the most part, or fantasy. Mm -hmm. And then now, everything is a new way to get into the I hobby. Know. Like every last game that they produce is a new way to get into the hobby. But as we saw tonight, they also did not forget the people who have 10,000 you know, points oh, of whatever because they, they also announced that they're going to be bringing back again a new version of uh, Apocalypse. But they did say that instead of the Apocalypse games that I'm used to, mm -hmm. you know, where the, 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 you play at the store and it goes for two days or oh. something, <laughs> instead they said that they were going to be making it so that you played a game of Apocalypse with 10,000 know, points, but you did it in an evening. So that'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the current Apocalypse people think of that type of rule mm -hmm. change and that kind of stuff, because it may be different than what they currently like to play. They like the long game, very possibly. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like I've never been a big Apocalypse player. I played in one Apocalypse game one time, and that was the last one that I played in. <laughs> and it wasn't anything that was wrong with the game. It's just we, we, went, too, we went too big. The shop had just recently opened, and I think it was something like we had 80 to 100,000 points per side. But there were 16 people playing, which was just... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's not... It's, it's really super difficult to try to get somebody... Like, you know, everyone's trying to get everyone else's attention to say, I'm shooting at these guys, and, you're, and it just it was too much for me. I prefer to play a one-on-one -on -one type of game. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, was there anything else coming out of this event that was worthwhile? Because I kind of feel the same way you did. There wasn't anything to kind of really talk about that people the, aren't really going over, like, right now on the Internet. The trick is is that two years ago, when they did the very first one of these, and it was at Adepticon, they went through the whole, you know, whatever, the presentation, talked about some new stuff and all that kind of stuff, and then at the end they were like, oh, and by the way, there's this new game that we're making, and it's called Shadespire. And then at the very end of that thing, then they were like, oh, and if you want to play Shadespire, and then they opened up like a separate room, and they're like, it's right here. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like the people that night who made that event got, got, to, play, got to play beta Shadespire in March. That game didn't come out until October of that mm -hmm. year. Now, I missed that one because that was the last year that I was still coming here on Thursday instead of coming on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Every single press event they've had since has had that kind of bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's, and they haven't been able to hit it because you can't constantly like, well, now we're going to do this. And like, well, everybody reach under your seat. There you go. Everybody gets, <laughs> everybody gets a Space Marine or whatever. Like, it's difficult for them to do that, obviously. And I understand that. So, um, but I think people still are expecting that. You're always waiting for that. But well, what's the last thing? What's the, you know, what's the, what's yeah. the after credits kind of like Marvel ending that we're going to say, and it hasn't been one. And so I think because of that, that can be a little... I don't want to say disheartening. It's a strong word. Yeah, I mean, these yeah. are all first world problems, obviously. But <laughs> it's a situation where it's just like it's difficult to set up against that bar when that bar is so high. Okay, so let's talk about you just for a little bit here. Sure. Uh, what are you doing at Adepticon? Like some people here for you know X Wing, some people here for Warhammer, Privateer Press games, Bolt Action. Uh, what are you playing? Um, I, I'm not playing any games here, like uh, like organized games. Mm -hmm. I am. I did bring some Kill Team, but that was about it. Um, I'm 
mainly here to, I'm teaching two classes, so I'm teaching one tomorrow and one on Saturday, and they are both about um, YouTube. Mm -hmm. One is about the more technical stuff, you know, like the cameras and the audio and the video and all that jazz and the lighting, and, and then the other one is more about... Um, Kind of like how to brand your channel, like mm -hmm. things to think of when you're coming up with your name and the pictures you're going to use and the icons and all that kind of stuff, the marketing, the digital strategy, the content, um, and all that kind of jazz. So those are the two classes that I'm teaching, and then I am taking a class tomorrow about how to make hairdos and green stuff. Oh, really? So that should be kind of interesting because <laughs> like nearly every space marine is just like shaved head, so I'm going to try to fix that on a couple. Uh, and see how that works out. Mm -hmm. I just need to get my green stuff sculpting skills a little better anyway, <laughs> as it is. But, um, and then I am filming, I'm trying to make a couple different videos. I'm working with the guys, the hobby people who run the hobby seminar stuff for mm -hmm. Adepticon. And I'm trying to make a couple of videos about basically like why you come to Adepticon mm -hmm. for the hobby seminar, like the things you can learn here, the, the, the amount of talent that you have available to you to be able to take these classes and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be doing some of that, and I'm going to do a couple of other little clicky videos and stuff like that. Nothing, well, I might do something live on my phone, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how the internet turns out. And then lastly, I'm also here because we're, um, my day job, I work for a company, and we make an app called Game4. Which is for connecting tabletop gamers it's on iOS and Android. Um, we're also this year starting to make uh, tournament software. Okay. So we are running the tournaments uh, software. We're, we we're, we designed the tournament software that is gonna, they're going to be using for all the kill team tournaments. Actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so um, we're the guinea pigs this year. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So um, we've been working with Adepticon on that. Uh, they reached out to us actually literally like the last day of last year's Adepticon, and, and we've been kind of working with them on that. So yeah, this is going to go uh, the testing. Well, I mean, not that the, we're going live with it on Friday. I think is when the first. It's when the first tournament starts. I, I think. think the first tournament starts tomorrow See, Thursday. I that too, but I, I've been told that it's Friday. Really? Well, okay. Might be, I... Maybe somebody else is running something, and we're running that. I'm not sure exactly yet. Okay. But yeah, so um, we're doing that, and then um, so I'm here to help kind of support that as well, along with some of the other people from work. Um, and also just talk to people about Game 4 and just all that kind of stuff, so yeah. Okay. Uh, one last question before yeah. we get on here. Can you give us a little preview about some of these classes? Because I know people who are listening probably not going to be here, but sure. there's always an aspiring person who wants to podcast or YouTube or, you know, maybe get into producing content and especially Wargaming. There's so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, can you give us just a little taste about what you're going to be teaching? Um, I would say one of the biggest things to start with, honestly, is to just start. Um I have people that tell me all the time, they're like, well, I'm going to start a YouTube channel real soon. I just have to save up to get this camera, or I have to save up to do that. And I always tell people, if you've got a cell phone, you've got a... I mean, if you've got a smartphone, you've honestly got a camera that is that is multitudes more powerful than the most expensive camera you could have bought 20 years ago. And it rides around your pocket all day, and you take pictures of your cat with it. So um, <laughs> you can easily use your, your... You can easily start, like... It's like it's like the same reason like I don't like to paint because I can't immediately paint a golden demon. Well, you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. You have to start with your video channel and, and do something. You have to start with your podcast. You have to start with your blog. Whatever you're going to do, 
even just start with your um, Instagram feed. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who are killing it, who are amazing painters and have, and that's their main content is their, is their Instagram feed. So just start doing it and then you find out whether you like it or whether you don't or anything along those lines and you kind of move that direction and then you, maybe you'll save up and get a camera or maybe you'll save up and get a better microphone or whatever the deal is and that kind of stuff. That's that's honestly, in a lot of situations, the, if you just you'll never start doing it unless you just start doing it, mm-hmm. which seems obvious, but you'll also find out whether you actually enjoy it or whether you don't or mm-hmm. whether you have a knack for it or not, that kind of stuff. All right, and before we get on out of here, obviously, please tell everyone listening, uh, where can they find you? Where can they find more information about uh, Tabletop Minions and Game 4 and sure. you know, all that great stuff that you're working on? Yeah. Uh, Tabletop Minions is, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, it's just um, uh, youtube.com slash Tabletop Minions. And uh, Game 4, uh, the website for Game 4 is iamgame4.com. So it's I A M G A. M-E-F-O-R.com and uh, you can also just find us in the Android or the Apple App Store uh, just type in Game 4 all one word and you'll uh, be able to find the app and download it and hopefully find people to play with in your neck of the woods okay thank you so much absolutely. really appreciate your time absolutely and uh, enjoy your uh, teaching this next and so this week <laughs> absolutely yeah I will alright I'm back here at the hotel wrapping up day one of Adepticon 2019 and this was a lot of fun. I will say uh, not too terribly much happened. There was um, the registration, there was the Games Workshop preview, and then uh, there was just kind of um, a little bit of this and that that was available to do. So for anyone who's uh, thinking about coming out in you know a, a year, you know, 2020, 2021, um, Thursday is kind of light. If you're coming with friends, uh, there's plenty to do. There's tables everywhere. There's just tons and tons of tables with terrain, which I thought was very impressive. There was a literally halls of tables with terrain. Um, uh, personally, I'm surprised people aren't uh, stealing it, <laughs> but um, that, that's a good thing. I'm just, I mean, I'm from LA, so you know, if you don't leave something stapled or glued to a table, it's likely to disappear, but I digress. Um, there is basically uh, a couple of places set up, so there is um, the bits Bits people, I, I can't remember what the name of the company is, but uh, at the very front of the convention, before you can go into any of the exhibition halls, uh, there's just a giant area for bits and purchases. I actually had to pick up a, uh, a ruler, a uh, tape measure, because I forgot mine at home. So it's really nice to see um, a company that's not only open basically before the convention even started, because they were open when I got there, and I, I arrived at like 4 o'clock. Uh, convention officially registration started at 7 and so they were open way early they've got uh, products from uh, pretty much everyone they've got games workshop products um, they've got privateer press they've got board games they've got bits for all kinds of games of course most of it is games workshop products but they've got bits for everything uh, they've got bits for uh, each army they've got open and unopened stuff I saw some metal stuff I saw some resin stuff some fine cast stuff um, it was it's really cool in fact I plan on spending a little bit more time there um, over the course of the week just because uh, today was so busy trying to get in and out with registration and uh, get everything set up with interviews and uh, whatnot but it's it's a really neat 
um, yeah, vending vendor. It's you know it's basically its own shop, and I'm hopefully I can get an interview with them. Uh, you saw some pictures on Facebook. They actually have uh, models that have been pre-painted that you can buy. It's it's just the coolest thing because essentially you know just imagine you know people you know you see at a local game store they're playing tabletop miniatures and most of your local game stores sell unopened product. That's not new. That's what they had. The cool thing that they had was all of the open product or old product or bits off of sprues that you really don't find anywhere else uh, unless you're looking on eBay or conventions like these. So there's tubs of, you know, for example, I was looking at some Space Wolf stuff and they have, you know, some of the old iron, or uh, some of the old metal models. They've got uh, little shoulder pads from Space Wolf things. They've just got all kinds of, I mean, it's called, I think it's like the bits box or something like that, but they just have tons and tons of bits. And I saw people sitting down in the hallway, just rummaging through the these giant uh, Sterilite bins that have tons of baggies with all kinds of little bits. And I think it's the coolest thing. There's also a little, like upstairs, there was, um, it's a, I don't know how to describe it. Basically people just kind of spread their own bits out on the table and you can go up and buy them. So like the, the vendor, and you probably saw the pictures, they had pre-painted uh, miniatures, and so you can buy like a row of orcs for like $10, and they're pre-painted, and they have ones for games, workshops, all, all of their games. So they had uh, 40K, they had Fantasy, they have Age of Sigmar, there's tanks, there's Terminator, some of them are painted, some of them are unpainted, and it's basically like you feel like you're going through this museum of games workshop. Like you're seeing all of these different ages of models where, you know, some of these Terminators are really, really small. So, you know, we're talking about maybe second or third edition Terminators and then they have some new ones. And then they have ones that are like Black Templar, some are Ultramarines, some are Blood Angels. It's, it's just the coolest thing. And, you know, they're all different prices and some of them are primed with white paint, black paint. It's basically like a super yard sale for products and they, they had mostly games workshop on the one end was gw products and the other end was um non-g i guess the best way to put it is non-gw so you have like uh privateer press i think i i think don't quote me on this but i think i saw some bolt action stuff um but it it was just one of the coolest things i've ever seen because i've you know, this is my first miniatures convention. I've been to plenty of conventions and plenty of, you know, like Magic the Gathering, uh, PBTQs, and Grand Prix. So I've seen a lot of, like, card game, quote-unquote, conventions. And I've been to, um, you know, PAX and Worlds with FFG and um, lots of other conventions, uh, like Board Game Geek Con. And, you know, those are all focused on non-miniature stuff. So going to this convention and just seeing minis everywhere was one of the coolest things ever. Um, but being able to spend a few moments in this, you know, bits vending area was fantastic. And like I said, they have everything you could possibly need. Uh, they've got the entire Citadel paint line. They've got the Army Painter paint line. They had Vallejo. They've got uh, primers, brushes, super glue. It's basically like the Walmart I guess that's probably the worst way, I guess the target, whatever you want to call it, but it's an upscale mobile friendly little game store. And it's great because, you know, they had everything I need, but you know, they have everything everyone needs. So you could, 
I mean, in theory, come with nothing and buy everything you need. Realistically, that's not going to happen. In reality, they have all the stuff people need that they forget. Oh, I forgot a paint pot. They've got it. Oh, I need uh, this color of paint. I forgot to bring it or I ran out. They've got it. Um, there's a, like I said earlier in the first segment, there's a, I'm finding more and more uh, painting stations, which I think is just insanely cool. Like I'll turn a corner and there'll be like a little cubby with tables and people painting. So I, I'm just, my mind is like blown because, you know, a lot of people talk about Adepticon and they kind of hype it up to be this big tournament scene. And it is like, don't get me wrong. There's going to be a lot of people playing for, you know, pride and glory on the battlefield, but there's so many things not related to playing games. There's painting. I saw people trading. People are selling bits. People are selling minis. People are like trade. Like it's so cool. Like if you're the kind of person, you know, I mean like me, I'm not going to ever want to be hyper competitive. Don't get me wrong. I will play 40k. I will play Kill Team. I'll play. I'll probably play Warcry. Um, but I want to have fun. I want to enjoy and experience what these events and these conventions are all about. And um, I'm just amazed that if you wanted to come to one of these conventions and just paint, play, you know, paint your models, trade, get some bits, paint them while you're here. That is like totally a thing you can do. There is a lot of space to go and do that. And there's a buttload of people hanging around painting and talking and engaging. And it's like, this is amazing. This is so cool. So I'm, I'm very impressed with Adepticon. Like, you know, for, for day one, just kind of getting my feet wet. And, you know, like I said, the convention hasn't even started. Um, none of the exhibit halls were available. We could kind of see into them, um, but we weren't able to like go in and actually like look at wares. Um, some of, so the room where the Games Workshop preview event happened, um, once everyone left, they actually got rid of all of the chairs and put up tables for wargaming. So that room is being repurposed um, for, I'm assuming, the Warhammer 40k tournaments. Um, there's a bunch of other halls that are sectioned off that the doors weren't opened uh, that they will be tomorrow, and I'm not exactly sure what those are going to be for. Um, there's also going to be a lot of uh, seminars, painting, like tutorials, classes, all kinds of things, and I don't know exactly where those are being had. Like I said, there's a lot of doors that were not open, so I would assume that those are where some of the classes are going to be uh, rotating in and out. So the point I'm trying to make is... Uh, Adepticon, first of all, uh, is actually free if you want to uh, observe events and you want to buy stuff. So if you're listening and you're like, I don't want to play anything, I don't want to pay for a badge, I just want to hang out, I, I don't feel like the painting is, net, like you don't need a badge to paint. So I guess technically... If you now, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. I didn't talk to anyone about this, but I guess in theory, if you wanted to, you could just get a hotel room and come to Adepticon without a badge, buy some things, paint some things, hang out with some people, and that's your weekend. Like you don't need a badge to paint your stuff at these tables. Uh, from what I understand, you need a badge to participate in the events, and that's it. So I. I 
I guess that's pretty much the only reason you would need a badge. Like if you want to go to a panel, uh, if you want to play in an event, you have to have a badge on you. But if you just want to come and observe and you want to buy stuff, they've made it very clear that, you know, it's family friendly. Uh, everyone is welcome to come and hang out. So there's probably going to be an interesting mix of uh, attendees and just people who want to pop in and see what's going on. I just really love the vibe of the convention. Now, of course, everyone who was there tonight was getting a badge, um, but I'm, I'm anticipating probably like Saturday and Sunday, you know, you have people coming in going, oh, you know, what is this? You know, they might watch some people play. They might ask some questions. Um, you're, you're allowed to play demos. That was something else they were saying is uh, free, free demos are free to everyone, whether you have a badge or not. They want people to come and play and experience the convention for what it is. And I'm just really excited because tomorrow we're going to be in full swing. Uh, I'm going to be playing some Star Wars Destiny in the morning and then in the evening I'm going to go kind of gallivant around and see what's going on. I know Duncan is going to be here so I'm going to try and see if I can uh, get a moment to talk to him. I'm not promising anything. He might be busy. Uh, I don't know what Games Workshop policy is for doing interviews so we'll see. We'll see what's up with that but I'm going to definitely try. Um, there's other personalities and content creators and YouTubers who are here so I'm definitely gonna try and grab them and you know just shoot the breeze like we did with uh, with Adam who is you know very kind and once again uh, if you're listening definitely check out his content on YouTube if you've never heard of him if you've never seen him uh, it's very entertaining it's very relaxing and my favorite thing is the videos are very short they usually 10-15 minutes tops so you get a lot of good information in a very condensed environment it's not going to take hours to parse through information it's not a podcast so you don't have to listen to it for an hour uh, you can just you know click on it and you get a really nice, well-rounded bit of information in a nice short time. I'll usually watch a couple of videos while I'm, you know, having a snack or taking a break from painting or whatever. Um, but going back to uh, Adepticon really quick, just to wrap up this day one show, um, just kind of coming off the cusp of adrenaline and excitement and the things that, you know, I saw today and we were talking about the, uh, the, the Plague Marine Kill Team. I think right now my favorite thing by far is uh, the people I've met. I've already had a bunch of people shake my hand as I'm walking through the hallway and just kind of talking to them. I got to sit next to a, a father and son at the Warhammer event, and he's going to be, him and his son are both playing uh, during Friday, so I'm going to see them during that tournament. So I'm just really excited to uh, meet so many people. That has definitely been a huge highlight of the convention. Um, realistically, the only major thing we did was registration and the, uh, the Games Workshop preview. Uh, for people who are coming in, uh, the line for registration actually started at 5. I decided not to wait because I had some friends who got into town about 4, 4.30. So um, I decided to go hang out with them. We had some food. We talked about uh, some of the decks we're going to be playing for Star Wars Destiny and then playing some uh, board games and uh, miniatures over the course of the week, kind of scheduling what we we're going to do because uh, tomorrow we're going to be spending the most time together. And then uh, most of them are actually here to play Star Wars Destiny for the entire week. And then I'm doing other things. So we're going to kind of be uh, 
meeting up here and there while I'm not playing games and they're not playing games. Uh, but that was really fun. There is a, personally in my opinion, there's a lack of food in the area. Like you can't walk, like the Renaissance is in the middle of freaking nowhere in terms of walking distance. Like if you have a car, you can like drive maybe you know half a block away and there's a bunch of food but for like walking you're screwed uh which i'm not a fan personally i like cons that are at places that either have a lot of food in the convention center or places that have walking distance food uh the renaissance had as far as i saw they had like one steakhouse and one bar so i'm going to assume those places are very pricey i didn't actually eat at the hotel i ate off campus um, there are concessions, so there's, you know, junk food on site, but all those places were closed in the convention center. Uh, they will be open tomorrow, so we'll see what that looks like, but, um, yeah, registration, we got there at, like, 6.30, and you probably saw some of the photographs on the Facebook page. Um, we... I got my registration badge because once we got up closer to registration, they split people off based on your last name. So, like, we waited from 6.30, line starts moving, and we're, we're actually fairly far away. So there's the convention center, then there's a long hallway connecting the convention center to the hotel, and then we were in the hallway where the hotel was near the front door. So... I don't know, maybe seven, eight hundred people, maybe a thousand people tops. And so, like I said, I got my badge at like 7.45. So, you know, we waited an hour, and but like I said, we got split. So when you get really close to the, uh, the room where the registration is, they break you up from like A to B, and then so on. So there's like six different lines where your last name uh, denotes which lane you go into. So as soon as you get into that, you just kind of wait, 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 get your register, get your badge. And then as you leave, uh, the way you get your swag bag is your, each badge says, you know, if you're, you have a swag bag, it has all the stuff on the back, like what you've bought. So if you're just a regular attendee, you basically uh, walk all the way down. And then if you have small swag, you hit a left and there's a little table where they give you like, I had some dice, you can get the shot glasses and small stuff like that. Uh, if you bought the swag bag, as you're leaving, there's a long hallway and they have all your swag there. So you get your stuff. If you're the uh, very important gamer, the VIG, then you get everything. So like basically you're just kind of walking down. Imagine a, like a chow line or you're at a, a cafeteria. So, you know, if you bought X, Y, and Z, you just kind of walk down and, you know, you show your badge, they give you X, Y, and Z. If you bought the whole big shebang, you know, you just keep walking down, they keep putting stuff in your arms, you know, like they would put on your tray if you were eating food. So that was really cool. Um, it, it was not the fastest registration I've ever seen. Um, mostly, this would be like my only complaint, none of it was digital. It was basically someone sitting at a table with a tub of people's badges. You just walk up and you go, hi, my name is Jonathan Sugiyama. And they have little tabs for like, you know, S-A, S-B, S-C, S, so on and so forth. So they go through the tabs and then once they get to like S-U, then they, you know, start looking through S-U-A, S-U-B. 
So they are manually going through each and every individual person's identification. Um, I mean, I guess it, it is what it is. I'm used to more digital landscaping um, where you show up and uh, all the badges are blank. And then what they do is, you know, hi, I'm Sugi, and they pull your name up on an iPad, verify that you're there, and then they print a little sticker, and they put that sticker on your badge, and you're done. Like, you, it's really, really easy. You show, you know, you show your ID, I'm Jonathan Sugiyama, boop, I'm here on the iPad, put the sticker on the badge, all right, get out of here. Next. Um, so that, that would probably be, like, my only complaint so far if I had to, you know, get nitpicky about, you know... What's Depticon like? It's a little low-tech uh, compared to other conventions I've been to, but uh, it wasn't terrible. I mean, considering we were at the back of the line, it took an hour and change. Okay, I mean, that's probably not much to scoff at. Um, but it's over. I've already got my badge, so for the rest of the weekend, I'm fine. I can come and go as I please. Um, the Games Workshop preview, uh, you know, we when we did the interview with Adam, you know, I wanted to get his opinion. Uh, my personal thoughts on the matter, just for, you know, the sake of time, it, it seemed underwhelming. If I have to be incredibly honest, the, the hype, the uh, excitement was very high, and I was very excited because it seemed that Games Workshop was going to be previewing some stuff, and it seemed that they were going to, you know, on the on their page, they were saying, you know, I might have some models. I'm probably going to assume that those are coming out over the course of the week, maybe tomorrow. Uh, but there were no models to look at. It was a very short presentation. I think, I think it was maybe twenty-ish minutes because uh, they started doing the Q and A before. 8.30, because I looked at my phone, I was like, that's it? And they started taking questions, and so I was like, man, good lord. Uh, and kind of something uh, Adam was saying, it does feel kind of uh, disingenuous to a sense, because I, I feel like I could have skipped it, and I wouldn't have really missed anything. Like, I feel that I wouldn't, sure, I wouldn't have been able to post on social media and say, oh, hey, these are the things we're talking about. This is the thing that's going on. 20 minutes before they posted it onto the Warhammer community page. And, you know, in the world of social media, that is valuable. Like, being able to get information out fast and to the community is great. Great. Like, that's, that's good to know. But I feel like, personally... It, it was kind of a letdown, because when they were done, I literally asked, like, is that it, like, out loud. I was like, is that, that's it? And it wasn't out of, like, malice or anger. It was just, like, confusion, because, you know, as people who are probably listening to this uh, have seen on the internet, it's just a bunch of trailers. It's like, hey, here's... Now, there's, like, a lot of excitement in the room. Don't get me wrong. When they had the Fire Slingers, people are cheering. And then the Slanesh models, people are cheering. And Apocalypse. Uh, I think that probably one of the least amount of cheers, to be very honest. Um, like, Warcry was really exciting. Uh, but that was, like, the most exciting announcement was, oh, hey, Warcry, you know, people have been asking, can you use a AOS models from other factions? Yes, you can! Which... Now that we have that information, it feels kind of like a, a red herring. Like, personally, 
it would have been really nice if at LVO they made that announcement because not making that announcement kind of caused more problems. And what I'm getting at is when the first announcement for Warcry came out and they said, oh hey, here's Warcry, and it's chaos. Like the entire internet just asked the exact same question. Is it only chaos? And Warhammer community basically said, hey, there's more information, we'll tell you later. And it's like, why can't you just tell us now? And then, you know, they told us here at Adepticon, and, you know, personally, that doesn't seem like news. It seems like something you should tell people. Kind of like, I feel, I know this might sound stupid, but it seemed, to me, it felt like, you know, you walk into a Starbucks, and you're like, hi, I'd like a coffee. And their response is, we're going to give you a cup. And you ask them, will there be coffee in that cup? And their response is, we'll tell you later, get excited. And then you wait a couple of months and walk down to, you know, the person you pay the money to and they go, there's coffee in this cup. And you're like, wasn't there supposed to be coffee in the cup the whole time? So, I mean, I don't know. It seems kind of asinine that that was like the big announcement. Like, oh, hey, by the way, there's other AOS models in the, it. I don't know. It just seemed kind of dumb personally. Uh, I, I'm not, like, angry at them. I'm just confused because it, like I said, kind of like the coffee, it just seemed like, wasn't this kind of the whole time? Because the fact that they didn't say no when people asked at LVO was kind of like an automatic yes. Because it would have been incredibly stupid if, you know, the timeline was LVO, we're announcing Warcry, it's Chaos Factions, the internet asks are there going to be other factions? And then Warhammer community says, get excited, we'll tell you later. And then, you know, in alternate dimension, Earth 2, at Adepticon alternate, they say, there's no factions! And the internet goes, what? That was stupid. What? Why did you waste our time? So anyways, yeah, it just seems kind of strange. Anywho, uh, back to the preview as a whole. I really did not enjoy like as the more I think about it, the more I kind of parse through it I didn't enjoy the fact that it didn't really have anything special to offer people who you know spent the money to come like literally people who are at home reading all that information got the exact same information I got minus people talking to me with microphones and some funny doodles in between you know video slides and you know that's it uh, what I did enjoy, and I think this was prop. Now, not everyone would enjoy this, but I personally enjoyed the Q and A. I felt like there was some value to that. Um, none of that was projected. None of it was recorded. None of it was on um, the Warhammer Community website. So I'm just kind of going to go through some of the questions that were asked. Uh, Ninety percent of them were uh, Age of Sigmar. Believe it or not, I'm sure no one is really surprised. So I have nothing to report for Kill Team other than the question I asked. Uh, Kill Team, uh, in terms of the Q&A session, was, as far as I know, I was like the only person who asked a question about Kill Team. Uh, of course, there was the squats, the classic where the squats. Um, people were asking, like I said, a lot of Age of Sigmar. Uh, there was a question about the, the books, the, the kids' books. 
uh, it's like Warhammer Adventures or something. That was an interesting question. Uh, basically, they said, you know, me and my kids read it. We really enjoy it. Will there be a box set? And the response was, uh, we like to make box sets for things that are popular, and the book series is showing to be popular, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, basically, the Classic Games Workshop, we don't want to invest in something if it's not popular. So I don't know where that answer is going to go for those of you who are listening, if you even know what I'm talking about. It's like the books with the kids. I, I don't really know what it is because I don't uh, read that book series. Um, but the question was posed, and the answer was not no. There could be a whatever that IP is boxed game in the future, should it prove to be lucrative and popular. Um, like I said, I asked if there was going to be a new Kill Team starter set, and the answer is yes. They did not say when, they did not say how. Uh, the only piece of information we got was they said they initially printed enough uh, Kill Team starter boxes uh, for what they thought would be a year's supply, and they said it sold out in about six weeks. And I saw on Facebook that people were saying, well, why couldn't they reprint it? Uh, you know, why this, why that? They did not answer any of those questions, so I don't know why they didn't do a reprint. I don't know why X, Y, or Z. The only thing they said was we printed you know, a lot of supply, and it was instantly sold out. And then they said, you know, it just takes a really long time to, you know, get those box sets printed and designed. And that was basically the end of their answer. So the good news is there is indeed a new box set for Kill Team being developed right now. They did say it is being worked on. They didn't say when, they didn't say what faction, they didn't say what's going to happen to the current Kill Team box set, if there's a reprint or not. Uh, so for those of you who are wondering what else was said, that's it. That was the entire conversation between me and the guy on the microphone. Um, in terms of other 40k questions, there really wasn't anything. I, like I said, a lot of questions about, hey, will this thing become a codex? And their answer was, maybe. Hey, what's happening with this guy? Maybe. Hey, what's going on with this? We can't say. Uh, so they did... Confirm for those who are wondering, Sisters of Battle is coming out this year. They are going to be doing a community uh, questionnaire. And the prize, for those of you who may or may not have seen or heard, they're going to be giving away one entire army of Sisters of Battle, so that is really cool. Uh, and it is the plastic new models that are coming out sometime this year. It's not the old metal models. They wanted to make that very clear. It will be the brand new sculpts, the brand new Sisters of Battle whole shebang. Um, that's pretty much the most 40k relevant information we got. Like, realistically, it was Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar, Warcry, Age of Sigmar, Apocalypse. Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar. So, uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up the end of the show talking about today. Um, clearly Games Workshop is very focused on Age of Sigmar in terms of their marketing right now, especially here at Adepticon, lots of Age of Sigmar stuff. And I don't think that's a bad thing because, you know, they're definitely pushing that whole uh, battle tome or what is, yeah, battle scrolls for all of these factions. And, I mean, that's a lot. I don't play Age of Sigmar, but... Uh, if I had to translate that to 40k, it sounds like they're giving everyone a new codex. So, 
you know, that probably would be a very hefty amount of, you know, sheer workforce, you know, work power that they need to supply into that game. So it makes sense that Adrian Sigmar is on the forefront because, you know, they're doing the, the Slanesh book, they're doing the Fire Slayers book, uh, they're doing Warcry, they're doing all these Age of Sigmar things. So... I guess it does kind of make sense that 40k is a little bit on the back burner. Uh, it is nice that Kill Team is not because we're still getting expansions. It's getting great support. Uh, they could have easily ignored it. I'm used to old games workshop where, you know, they put something out and then they just don't support it for like a year, maybe a year and a half, and then you get something, one expansion in a year. You know, we've already gotten uh, Commanders, Arena. We're getting elites. There was Blackstone Fortress, so uh, the Crew. There's there's been a lot of great support from Games Workshop. So I'm not any. I have no fear for Kill Team to be ignored. It just is very clear in the way that they were talking during the preview, the questions that were posed, and like I said, the marketing. The Age of Sigmar is on the forefront of Games Workshop's uh, marketing and branding for the 2019 year because they're trying to grind out. Uh, I mean, we're already basically in April. We're in, at the end of Q1 and they're trying to grind out all these things in the next nine months. It's a lot of work. I don't blame them. So uh, probably 2020 might be a little bit lighter for uh, AOS. We might see some more Games Workshop focusing, refocusing into uh, 40K or Kill Team. Who knows? But uh, one thing that was neat, I'll give them this, uh, when they did do the branding for Apocalypse, at the very end they had a giant slideshow and it you know has the big 40K logo and it was like, you know, there's three ways to play. You've got the skirmish for Kill Team, the epic battles for 40K, and the super colossal insane battles with Apocalypse. And I think that um, that branding for me personally says Games Workshop is aware that it's still it, miniature gaming, especially like Games Workshop and 40K, is still under that stigma of it's really freaking expensive. It's very daunting. I have to, you know, for, for someone on the outside looking in who knows zero about miniatures, if they were to come to this convention and just look at the sheer amount of stuff, they're going to think to themselves, on average, it's too expensive, there's too many models, there's no way I'm gonna be able to play, the, the entry level is too high. And with Kill Team 40K 8th Edition and Apocalypse on that screenshot, and they're showing off that you can play at any level, you can play skirmish level, small games, 8th Edition medium games, or Apocalypse insane games, uh, it's clear to me that Games Workshop is meaningfully and actively trying to give every possible human being the opportunity to play their games at whatever level they want. If someone has got $3,000 and they want to buy a full-blown army and they want to play 8th edition, you can absolutely do that. If you've only got 100 bucks or you just want to buy a couple models, like we've said on this show since day one, you know, if you just want to buy that $40 starter box of Ultramarines versus Plague Marines, you want to go in with your buddy, you pay 20, they pay 20, and you start playing, you know, three or four models a piece, 
uh, Games Workshop is actively marketing that to the player base. They, they're no longer focused exclusively on you have to buy into X edition, 6th edition, 7th edition, 8th edition, 50th edition, uh, something you know Adam was saying on the show back in the day, and this is when I was playing, like in 5th and 6th edition, you only had the option of buying a full-blown army, and that is just insanely expensive and prohibitive to the average individual. Very few people just walk into a game store and say, oh, to play this game I have to buy $500, $800 worth of product, a rule book, a codex, dice, uh, a, um, a tape measure, paints, brushes, and the models, glue, way to transport them and lights and all this stuff. Sure, I'll just do that right now. I've got the money, I've got the time. Let's do it. Most people kind of gradually move into that, but especially nowadays things have changed. You know, money may or may not be available. Time may or may not be available. Availability, I know that's probably the same thing as time, but like you might have the time to like paint and play, but sometimes, you know, you might have a kid on the way or you might have one of those jobs or you're on call. So you might have time to participate in the hobby, but your availability might be kind of splotchy where it's like, you know, my wife called me. I got to go home and take care of the family or my job called me. I got to go, you know, I'm on call. I do technology. I do internet. I do X, Y, or Z. I have to go, you know, maybe you're part of, um, you know, service or you work with like fire or police. I I'm on call. I got to go to work. So you have time, but you don't have the availability to go to a shop and play for hours on end. Now, Games Workshop is actively marketing people smaller games. Now, they're going to be pushing for Apocalypse, where for some reason they claim you can play 10,000... They claim this. They claim you can play 10,000 points in a night. I personally find that very hard to swallow. I don't play Apocalypse, so I don't really care, but that was one of those very hard-to-believe marketing pitches when they said it. I'd like to see that happen personally, uh, but I can guarantee you with Kill Team, it doesn't take an hour unless you play a really long time. Kill Team is very fast. And I really like the fact that uh, Games Workshop is broadening their scope and making their games more available to everyone and anyone. So uh, that was a big highlight for me personally coming away from the uh, the preview, and that was kind of pulled from the way the the Q&A went and the way the preview went. It wasn't just specifically from the preview event and, you know, the stuff they were trying to get people excited about, um, but when these gentlemen from Games Workshop were answering questions, uh, they made it very clear in the tone and the pacing and the answers they gave that we're no longer in an age of big army versus big army entry points. They are very clear about, you know, Warcry is meant to be a small skirmish game where, you know, you can get in at the ground level for much less than buying a full army for Age of Sigmar. Um, you know, same thing for Kill Team. If you want to play big armies, that's fine. If you want to play small skirmish games, that's fine. If you want to play big apocalypse games, that's fine. Uh, but the Games Workshop team was very welcoming to every person, every age, every demographic. And I think that's a big win for Games Workshop. I think that's a big win for gaming in general. And I think a lot of companies, uh, if they're smart, will really start to focus on that approach. Because for 
the longest time, a lot of games are difficult to approach. They, they're too expensive. They're too time-consuming. Uh, they just require a lot. Like, you have to... If we're thinking about, like... Uh, I'll think about bolt action, for example. I know nothing about bolt action other than it looks cool, and that's it. So, from my perspective, as an outsider looking in, I have to buy a rule book, I have to buy a codex, I have to buy models, there's specific dice for this game, and I think that's cool, but, you know, that's another cost. I have to paint these models, I have to buy these models, I have to learn the rules, I have to find uh, a playgroup. All of these things start to add up, both in time and in money. Now, neither of those things is a problem for me personally, but... It's not going to be like, you know, for example, Keyforge from Fantasy Flight Games is a very um, simple game that kind of breaks down a lot of barriers. So for those of you who don't know, Keyforge is called a unique card game. And I promise I'm going to shut up after this because it's past midnight and I've got to get up early in the morning for Adepticon. And this episode is long enough already. Uh, but the premise of Keyforge is every deck in the world is unique. There's only one of a deck ever because it's printed once with a specific name and a specific background. So you can never duplicate it, you can never copy it. There is no deck building in Keyforge and it is $10. So you walk up to someone who's selling a Keyforge deck, you give them 10 bucks, they give you a pack, you open it up and you have a deck. Now, not all, obviously not all decks are equal. Some are better than others, some are bad, some are good, so on and so forth. They have this algorithm where they put all these cards in the deck and no other deck will have the exact same spread of cards. They might have similar cards, but if you have three copies of the blue bug and two copies of the red bug, no other deck will have that exact same combination that you do. So the reason I'm saying this is because for Keyforge, the literal, I guess, um, prohibitive factor for Keyforge is learning the game. As soon as you've learned the rules, all you have to do is have $10. And you buy a deck, you play with a deck. If you like it, that's great. You can keep playing with it. If you don't like it, you just buy a new one. That is literally it. That is the entire entry level for Keyforge. The problem is for miniature games, nothing like that exists. There is no game where you can just learn the rules, go to the store, pay a flat rate, and you get everything you need, and it's tournament ready and you know ready to go for you know as long as you want it to be. You know, in in miniature games, you have to buy the rule book. Keyforge, you don't have to buy the rule book. You just have to know the rules. Uh, in miniature games, you have to buy a codex for your army. Once again, Keyforge doesn't have codexes. You just have to know what the rules are. Uh, you know, in miniature games, you have to buy the models. This kind of goes to the similarity of buying the deck. Uh, but the thing is, with a deck for Keyforge, you buy one and you're done. That's it. That, that deck is ready to play out of the box. No game in miniatures games, other than like expensive starter boxes have that capacity. Even the uh, start building an army is not a full army for, uh, what is it, $90. Like, you can't pay $90, put that army together, and start playing competitively. You have the start of a army, but you don't have a full-blown army. And then, of course, you have to paint them and so on and so forth. Like, you don't have to paint your cards in Keyforge. But the reason I'm saying what I'm saying is uh, 
Fantasy Flight Games has created a card game that breaks down so many barriers of entry that traditional collectible card games have had. So, for example, with Magic the Gathering, you have to buy a bunch of boosters, you have to trade, you have to buy singles, you have to buy your mana base, then you have to assemble the deck, then you have to make adjustments, then you have to acquire cards you might need, and then if cards rotate out, you have to buy new cards, and so on and so forth, to construct a tournament-level deck. And some of those decks cost hundreds of dollars. Keyforge is you learn the rules, you pay 10 bucks, and that's it. You play with the deck you just bought. Some people may or may not like the fact that the deck is built randomly with this algorithm, and that's fair. But the thing I'm trying to pull out of this conversation is Keyforge is a super approachable, super simplified version of the collectible card game system. And it would be really nice to see something like that come into the miniature war game system where... Now, not necessarily Kill Team per se, but a game like Kill Team where you can learn the rules online, they're free, it's like six pages, and then you buy a army for like maybe, maybe it's 50 bucks, and then all the rules for that army are in that box, and then you have all of your data cards for those models, and then that's it, like you don't have to do anything, they're, they're pre-built, you know, they're already on the, on the base, um, kind of like if you, if no one has seen it, Seamon uh, has that song of ice and fire. Uh, all of those models are pre-built single pieces of plastic. Um, now I know people, once again, I know people like to build their models and they like to pose them and do other things, but what I'm getting at is it would be really cool if miniature war games had a super approachable, super simplified way to get people into the game so they could start playing right off the bat. And I think Kill Team is the closest thing we have to that where you can go and buy the core rule book. It has the rules that you need for the game and it has all of the faction specific entries. And then you parse through that and you decide, okay, I'm gonna play Plague Marines. Then you go and buy your Plague Marines, you assemble them and you're done. If you're not playing in tournaments, you don't have to paint them. If you are going into tournaments, you know, you can splurge a little bit on some paints and things. Um, but like I said, going back to the original idea, it would be really nice if there was just a box. Maybe it was a little bit more expensive, but the models were pre-built pieces of plastic, kind of like Song of Ice and Fire. They all came with data cards, kind of like the War Scrolls for Age of Sigmar. So all of your information is already printed nice and neat on these cards. And then the rules are free to free for the you know, player base online, and then you just have your faction-specific special abilities in that box. And so you and a friend can go buy your box, open it up, and start playing, like, immediately. I think that would be a really great thing for Games Workshop to produce, um, because that would make it really easy for people to start. And then if they decide, I really want to keep going and playing more, then they can buy more stuff and get into Kill Team, instead of this, you know, box versus box kind of game, where, you know, maybe you're just literally playing three models versus three models, and everything's just pre-assembled, pre-colored, pre-done for you. And... Anyways, this is kind of more or less a dream, just because other games, other systems, other uh, um, gaming developers are starting to realize that we need to bridge the gap from the people looking on the outside to getting them to play the game. Not necessarily becoming a fan and getting addicted 
and doing podcasts and videos and all kinds of stuff, but just getting them to try the game, trying to get them into a local game store, playing the game, not feeling intimidated, not feeling oversaturated, not feeling uh, just burnt out or, or overblown by so many options and so many things, and it's too expensive, and there's too many rules, and there's so much I don't know. It'd be great if we could make things easier where it's just a simple, here's rules how to move, shoot, attack, here's this box, all you gotta do is buy it, you can start playing today. Perfect. That would be amazing. So anyways, uh, Adepticon day one has been amazing. It sparred a lot of thought in my mind. Uh, it's gotten me really excited. And uh, tomorrow the con officially starts with all kinds of stuff. Vendors, tournaments, games, and I will be there. I'm going to be doing coverage. Uh, tomorrow's coverage is going to be a little lighter, just so everyone knows, than the regular days. Because like I said, I'm going to be playing mostly Star Wars Destiny. Um... And like, like I said, the con kind of gets itself started on Thursday, so uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are definitely going to be the big three days. Uh, I will not be here Sunday because I'm flying back uh, at 6 in the morning on Sunday, so my coverage will be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So a big shout out as we wrap this show up to uh, Adam Smasher from Tabletop Minions. Once again, please check out his YouTube channel. Uh, a big thank you and gratitude for him uh, giving me his time to just hang out and talk about uh, not only Warhammer in this interview, but we were able to spend some time afterwards and just talk about all kinds of stuff. And uh, he's just a really great guy, a lot of fun to talk to. Um, as always, a huge thank you to our Patreons. Uh, none of this podcasting or conversation from Adepticon would be happening uh, without your support. So thank you very much. If you are listening and you've been enjoying the coverage, if you've been enjoying stuff coming from the uh, the Facebook page and you know whenever you're listening to this, uh, if you've been enjoying the show and the coverage we've been doing from the con, I definitely would impress on you to check out the Patreon. We have lots of tiers. There's plenty of ways to support the show. Um, but every dollar, I'm not going to lie, every dollar does help. Uh, Gen Con is the next convention I'm actively looking to get to, um, but I can't do it without your support. So if you want to see more coverage uh, from Gen Con and Nova, uh, definitely check out the Patreon. And, you know, a dollar to a month would be fantastic. Uh, also, a big thank you and shout out to uh, Discount Games Inc. and Battle Foam. I am very grateful uh, for their support. Uh, it's on the back of the shirt, so it's really nice to walk around and, you know, talk to people about their awesome products. Uh, I'm going to actually be talking to some people from Battle Foam, getting an interview with them while I'm here. And then Jay from Discount Games Inc. is going to be coming on the show uh, later in a few weeks after Adepticon. So we're going to be able to have them on just to talk a little bit about their products and their support and their love for uh, Warhammer and the miniature game community. But this is the end of day one at Adepticon. My name is Sugi and you're listening to Squad Tactica. So thank you everyone for joining us. And as always, keep on killing them. Yeah.